0: All right, it's time for Baldry's beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's talk about um, the deadline is now passed for mm. mandatory vaccination for healthcare workers. And if you weren't vaccinated by it was yesterday, right? Yep. Kicked in. You you go on unpaid leave. So how many people in the healthcare sector have now gone on unpaid leave?
1: It's a moving target because not everyone shows up in the vaccine registry system because we've been hiring people from other province. And but as of yesterday, as of Five o'clock yesterday, four thousand and ninety people. Wow, in healthcare now that breaks down um, five hundred and twenty doctors, which is kind of Sheet. staggering when you think about it. Yeah. Now that number is expected to shrink because we have been hiring doctors and specialists from other provinces and other um, jurisdictions for some time. So, for example, we've hired thirty anesthesi- anesthesiologists, uh, and they may not show up in the in the vaccine registry system. So that. That 520 is actually 4% of the doctors, but that number is expected to shrink to ma- match the 3% that we're seeing in other occupations in healthcare. It's almost a uniform, um, pattern right across the system. 3% of the workforce is unvaccinated, which we're seeing in a lot of other workforces as well. It's not, not unique to healthcare. So if we uh, doctors go from 4% to 3%, that number of unvaccinated doctors should shrink to 375. And in terms of where they're located, most well not most but many are located a disproportionate number are in the interior health authority more than 1300 healthcare workers of the 4000 1300 are in the interior in small towns and that's why that's going to have a disproportionately big impact because you're in a small town and you've got a health facility that you know has a small number of people and suddenly you lose uh five or six or seven yeah, Right. that has a domino effect and We've already done one story on Global about a Grand Forks uh, situation where people in Grand Forks will now have to travel to trail to get uh, to get treatment. Uh, Wow.
0: Okay. Uh, Adrian Dix, the health minister, was asked about this yesterday and he pointed out that he made the point that you just made about that. What they're seeing in the healthcare sector in terms of unvaccinated people is mirrored largely in just about all professions. Mm -hmm. It runs around three percent or so. Right. So here's what Adrian Dix had to say about that yesterday. I'll get your thoughts. We didn't see across the board much difference in terms of categories of workers. And that is true as well in acute care. So while there are um, administration staff and, and others who are, uh, who, are, um, uh, who are unvaccinated and will be affected by this across the healthcare system, uh, this 126,000 uh, workers, they're critical, all of them, to patient care for people. Okay, so as Adrian Dick speaking yesterday, when you talk about those unvaccinated doctors, that is an interesting... How many unvaccinated doctors did you say? Well,
1: the number yesterday was 520. That's expected to wow. drop as as some of these doctors who we've got from other places show proof of vaccination because they're not in our provincial registry system. They're perhaps in Alberta's or wherever mm. they come from. And that, that'll take some time to catch up to them. But still, you know, maybe we're at the end of the day, we're at 375 doctors, which is somewhat... Who are these doctors? Like,
0: are these doctors who are now... Like, if they're an unvaccinated... What is the consequences for them? They lose their hospital privileges. Well, is that what happened? They
1: would lose hospital privileges. Uh, they can still. Uh, but it'll be interesting. Can they still work
0: in BC though? Can they run a private practice? That
1: remains to be seen. Talking to health officials yesterday, the College of Physicians, uh, Physicians and Surgeons may get involved here and may actually start uh, ask, asking questions of these doctors what exactly you are doing. There's an organization called. Uh, Rocket Doctors, which yeah. is a virtual online medical service based on Ontario, but now spreading to Vancouver. And one uh, person contacted me saying, They're a doctor in their small town in the interior. There's five doctors in this town. Two of them are unvaccinated. One of them is going to work for Rocket Doctors to have virtual online uh, uh, treatment. Now, a lot of family doctors right now uh, have had virtual uh, treatment for virtual visits for since the beginning of the pandemic. So, Presumably, they can still continue to do that. Well, could
0: you make an argument? Okay, so let's say a doctor transitions to a service like that, where it's all online, it's all virtual. You're not seeing any patients face to face. You're just doing consultations over Zoom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Could you make an argument Could a doctor make an argument? Well, I don't have to be vaccinated because yeah. I'm not going to be. I'm, I'm not going to be face to face with a patient.
1: I suppose they could. I wonder though whether their income is not going to take a big <laughs> hit here, particularly some of these other doctors, we're not just talking family physicians here. These are also, um, I'm told from the health ministry, a number of surgeons. They can't perform surgery anymore. You don't do that online.
0: Right. Okay. Let's talk about um, teachers. And I thought it was really interesting. The BC Teachers Federation did a survey of their members and found out that the teachers had a very high high. vaccination rate. And a lot of teachers want mandatory vaccination, and they want it province-wide. Forget about this district-by-district mm-hmm. thing that the government's doing here. Now, here's Terry Mooring speaking to me earlier on the show, president of the Teachers' Union, and then I'll get your thoughts. What we don't want to see is a patchwork approach to this, where individual school districts make the choice to either put in a mandate or not put in a mandate. Um, we think this uh, puts a lot Uh, on the shoulders of individual school boards uh, in some communities where there is high levels of hesitancy and and pushback against uh, the health measures. Yeah, there's a lot of concern that this could, you know, divide communities if a a local school board has to
1: take this on. Terry makes a very good point, and here's the reality. So they're at 98%, according to their survey, about 97%, 98% are vaccinated, which is great, great, but there's 43,000 teachers 2% 2% is a lot of unvaccinated teachers. It's about 875 teachers. And you to put yourself in a school trustees position. Uh, are you going to make a decision that in your district, if you have a vaccination mandate, it may very well end up costing you 100 teachers in, if you're in a, in a large uh, community? And that's, that's the <laughs> um, sticky situation trustees are going to find themselves in because there is a... You know, there's a public health uh, reason to be have vaccine mandates in healthcare, but we're not having them in schools because, again, the data suggests that's not being transmitted as much in schools. But school trustees have got this multi-page thing from the provincial government to walk through to figure out whether they should have a vaccine mandate. At the end of the day, if if you've got two percent unvaccinated, just apply the math to your to your teachers and your QP support staff. That's how many people will have to be off the job.
0: Okay. Speaking of CUPE, that's the other major union in the school system. They, they represent the school support workers. So now you've got basically both unions saying, like, bring it on. Mm-hmm. We actually want the mandatory vaccination. So not unlike the, the BC nurses union, which was opposed to mandatory vaccination, these two big unions are saying, we want it. We want yeah. the mandatory vax and we don't want it district by district. We want a provincial mandate. What is holding back Horgan on this and bringing in somehow trying to trigger a provincial mandate on this
1: i wonder whether it's that who's going to be blamed for um removing almost 900 teachers from the school system which then expands school which sizes. could be
0: disproportionate in some parts of the province right yes. like you could have more teachers who are unvaccinated say in the northern part of the province and
1: that would fit what we're seeing in healthcare, where you've got yeah. for example the interior has way more unvaccinated health care workers than we do in fraser health for example yeah more than double even though the population is significant, So he's just smaller. trying
0: to avoid the political blame for that? So he, he, I think he passes part, it off to I, the school district? I think
1: it's partly that, and partly because schools are not seen as the uh, areas of transmission in terms of uh, high numbers as we're seeing in healthcare. I think there's a fundamental difference between school, schools and hospitals.
0: Okay, Pope Francis, uh, the Vatican announcing that Pope Francis will be willing to come to Canada now, um, and presumably to issue an in-person apology for the residential school system mm-hmm. in Canada. So have been a lot of pressure on the catholic church to do that and it's something that pope francis and and the the vatican seem to have been been resisting up until now so now it appears that's going to happen there's a lot of work that goes into one of these visits so it probably won't happen until next year but one of the things that occurred to me was i always i was a little confused like why why would the pope and the church resist this like you'd think it'd be kind of a no-brainer to just come here and issue try and try and start to heal these wounds uh, and issue an in-person apology, just like he did in, Bolivia. in, in South America, mm-hmm. right? So the Pope went to South America, I'm going to play a clip here, this is 2015, and issued an in-person apology in Bolivia for the church's treatment of indigenous people there in South America. So let's have a listen to that. This is, this is in 2015, this is from OW News. In a speech, the pontiff apologized for the past no. actions of the Catholic
1: Church. I humbly ask for forgiveness, not only
0: for the offences of the church herself, but also for crimes committed against the native peoples during the so-called conquest of America. Okay, that's uh, DW News. they have got the name of that news network wrong there. This is in 2015. So I don't know why there was a resistance not to come to Canada and issue a similar apology.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens. You're right, though. It's going to take some time before this actually happens. The Pope, yeah. just like everyone else, hasn't been traveling. So this is a new thing as we get come, uh, tr- start to come out of this pandemic. It'll be interesting to see where he goes in Canada. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going to go to Canada. Could, could he come to... Really? I, why I, would he not? I think, he, I think he'll go to some... Probably, I would bet he would go to Ottawa. You go to the nation's capital. All
0: right, it's Baldry's Beat. Phone lines are open. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Let's go to your calls and speak to Mike and Vernon. Hey, Mike.
1: Hey, morning, gentlemen. You know, uh, Keith, when you brought up the point about um, Oregon ducking, making this decision, you know, because possibly up to, uh, I think you said 800 teachers, maybe uh maybe losing their jobs i thought you know here we go we have a a premier who has a total lack of accountability when it comes to freedom of information requests and stuff and he smugly passes that off and then he does exactly the same thing with this file he just smugly passes it off with a well you put your hand up to be in on the school board so now it's your responsibility this is this is a constant theme it seems now in the province and in canada when it comes to leadership and we just have such a vacuum of leadership and i wonder really wonder when it's going to end and we're going to get some true leaders
0: okay mike thank you for the call well it's not like he's got a complete lack of accountability he's getting raked over the coals for that foi stuff but anyway the
1: liberals are holding him to account in the legislature every day in question period and again back to the vaccine mandates the pattern all along or the the system all along has been Dr. Bonnie Henry is the one who established these these vaccine mandates. It's Not the premier's office. I mean, if
0: Bonnie Henry if Bonnie Henry came out today and said, "I'm I'm issuing a provincial health order that's requiring it. teachers to get
1: that's the vaccinated, order. that'd be the end of it. That right? would be the end of it. But yeah. she's she uh, hasn't done that. She's always been reluctant to really delve too deep into the school system. She wants to keep schools open as much as possible. And again, as the BC Teachers Federation survey shows, the price of a, a, a vaccination mandate in BC schools would be the loss of about 875 to 900 teachers. It's interesting, the government is bringing in a vaccine mandate for the core ministry staff, which is 30,000 people who work in the provincial government. Many of them work in government offices around Victoria. Uh, Again, there's no evidence of much uh, COVID transmission in those offices because people have been staying home for for, you know, 18 months. but uh, So that would uh,
0: defeat Horgan's argument that this should be a local issue because they're employed locally by the school board.
1: Yeah, so uh, yeah. again, but people in the healthcare uh, system work for their local health authority. They right, don't work right. directly for the provincial government.
0: Yeah, and the other thing is about, about the unvaccinated teachers. Like, if you had 800 va- unvaccinated teachers who suddenly lose their job, a lot of those teachers could be disproportionately located, let's say, in, in low vaccination rates like the north. Likely so would. imagine
1: you, m- you might have a small rural school that loses like half a dozen teachers yep. Or something. And and that's exactly what would happen in Dawson Creek, Fort St. John, Vanderhoof, Enderby, Chetwin. Very low vaccination numbers there, and it's probably mirrors the the teachers and the healthcare workers.
0: Ren on the line in Vancouver. Hi.
1: Hi. I just wanted to say I enjoy your show so much. Um, This is just a quick note about the Pope. Uh, At the time when it was released about the uh, tragedy in Kamloops, that very time was when he was going in for uh, surgery and he had a substantial amount of his colon removed. So that's what mm. was happening at that particular time. Mm.
0: Okay, thanks. But there's, Thank been, there's been pressure on the, the Pope and the Vatican for years, though, to do this mm-hmm. uh, apology. Yep. And now they would say that you know the Canadian Catholic bishops have apologized uh, and local archbishops have apologized. Uh, but I still think, you know, coming from the Pope, I think it would be a really healing exercise, and I'm just surprised it's taken so long. Mike in Vancouver, hi.
1: Hey, guys. Uh, you know, going back to the teachers, when, I, when you were talking about the numbers, at 94%, 95% vaccinated with the educational uh, employees, whether you're a teacher or in the educational system, that's pretty darn impressive. I'm, I was very impressed with that uh, high number, and I think that number would exceed what we probably are going to expect the general population to be over the next mm-hmm. year, we're not going to get to 95%. Yep. Nope. So maybe we should not spend a lot of effort on all the teachers, and maybe we should be looking at those 542 doctors. If you look at that hmm. as a percentage of all the doctors in BC, that's a very high percentage. That's well, what a scary w- percentage. W- well, what is that percentage? It. It's, it's, it's uh, of those working in the health authorities, it's 4%. Unvaccinated, So it's still very high vaccination rate amongst doctors and healthcare workers and teachers. Everyone's at 96, 97, 98%. But again, when we're talking about a huge pool of people, even a 2 or 3% unvaccination rate translates into hundreds of people, or if not in healthcare, thousands of people.
0: Let's squeeze in one more here. Joyce calling from Chase. Hi.
1: Hi.
0: Hi there.
1: Hi. Just phoning about the uh, mandate for vaccination for nurses and doctors and teachers. Yeah. I think it's very, very, very unprofessional of them to mandate this, for the government to mandate it. These people have been working with, with those patients for 18 months. I don't know that there's been that many get sick or die. And I we're just losing all our privileges. And sooner or later, we're going to become a state that you have no rights for anything. We're okay, Joyce. Okay, Joyce. Thank you for the call. Well, no, I don't think we're approaching that uh, at all. I mean, there were eighteen thousand people at a Canucks game last night. Or well, I mean, you could, capacity.
0: you could make a very, a, a very convincing argument that it's unprofessional for healthcare workers not to get vaccinated yeah. because, you know, the argument that, well, I'm just, I'm just exposing myself to risk. No, you're exposing your other exactly. people, your family, your coworkers to it risk is, it is patients, baffling so.
1: People, A lot of people with scientific background just haven't got vaccinated in healthcare, which is troubling.